You're listening to the podcast where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. Welcome to another episode of the PDL Dining Podcast. This one is actually going to be a little break from the state of the franchise breakdowns that we have been doing all offseason because the next episode, spoiler alert, might be one of us. So we actually made a little special episode that has, uh, I guess, guest analysts that are going to be joining us. So uh, that one's not going to be until a little bit later this week, maybe probably the end of the weekend kind of thing. But we still want to get an episode out for all of you. So this one's going to be really, really special because there's been a lot of things happening within the PDL. So I'm really glad that I have Darren, of course, my fearless co-host joining me. But Yo, Dare, uh, before we jump into the appetizer, how are you feeling with how the PDL is going so far? Uh, it seems pretty good. Um, we replaced recently three guys that, you know, I don't know if they had the sleeper app on their phone, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's been more activity recently. It's definitely it's definitely been noticeable, like how much like talking is going on in the chat. Uh, it's, it's definitely an, an improvement, I think. Absolutely. And I feel like not just the chat but i feel like just trade activity negotiations and just the vibe in general is different it still uh has a little bits to go on where i would like to view it but that's just kind of you know the commissioner's expectations with everything but i'm hoping after the owners meeting some of that will be hammered across so everyone knows what's kind of going on so with that being said before we really jump into some of the crazier things that's been happening in the pdl how about we jump into the appetizer there what is on the menu um, so the first question I added, I, I wanted to know, do you think that the 49ers are really going to take Mac Jones or Michael McCorkle Jones? Oh, Mike Mac, huh? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question because I haven't been keeping up with, I guess, all the little smokescreen news reports, rumors and stuff. Because Darren, I think I actually told you beforehand, it's been really eye-opening for me this season especially with covid where i feel like i guess the media has been a little bit more disconnected with what's actually going on in the nfl and i think it wasn't until was it maybe the jj watt one when that went through all the quote-unquote rumors were completely bull like the cardinals weren't even in the talks at all like that that was not even a name that was associated with jj watt and all these people were making up like oh maybe baltimore maybe buffalo and all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day what was very apparent to me was reporters are just like making things up to fit narratives that they think would work, but it's not actual rumors. So it's no different than if you and I were really respected reporters, I guess. And then you and I just saying, Hey, wouldn't he be awesome here? And then people run with it saying, Oh, that might happen now. And so this is just my long winded way of saying, I don't really trust anything I read. I feel like a conspiracy theorist almost. I'm like, Oh yeah, I I read that, but I don't believe it kind of thing. So I've actually taken time away from Reddit uh, which, you know, has been my typically my number one news source. And that's like a big beehive mindset. So Reddit kind of sucks, but whatever. I, I, I'm i a degenerate. But long story short, I don't think so. I think like, from okay, the last reports I heard was Shanahan and Lynch have two separate players that they, or one, I guess, or each of them, I guess, but they both want a player, but it's different. And because of everything San Francisco gave up to move up, you would have to assume they both want a quarterback, but they're not seeing eye to eye. And then quote unquote rumors came out. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter what Lynch wants because Shanahan's runs San Francisco. So now the quote unquote rumors are saying, hey, I think they really want Mac. 
And I'm like, wait, what? So that means Shanahan wants Mac and Lynch probably wants Fields or Lance or someone else. To me, that sounds a little bizarre because you you know me. I do like Mac Jones, but to me, I'm like, is he really uh, uh, that significant of an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo? Because like he, Mac Jones reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo, but obviously I think Mac Jones is a little bit better, but I'm not like, oh yeah, that's that's the upgrade I'm looking for. So for me, I, I'm very, very skeptical about it, but how about you? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think that as of now, I still think that they're probably going to take Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Um, and the the only reason why I think is because it's still so far away. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not like that far away, but it's still three weeks away the draft. So I think that if because the only thing that makes me think it is because you remember a couple years ago when the Browns had the first pick and there was all these rumors of they're going to take Sam Darnold or they're going to take Josh Allen. And it wasn't until like probably like a week before that it was like Baker Mayfield. And like now they're going to take Baker Mayfield. So yeah, if they're yeah. still saying this the week leading up to the draft that they're still saying that Mac Jones is going to be the third pick. He's probably going to be the third pick. Um, but as of now, I, I still, as much as like, you see, like I see Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, like all these guys saying Mac Jones is going to be the pick, but I, I don't know. I just still just don't believe it. Like I, I know that like, that's what the word is, but I feel like the 49ers might just be for some reason leaking that information to all of these guys. They're reporting it. Just maybe, I don't know, maybe they think that the Jets are going to trade out of the second pick or something. I have no freaking clue. Yeah, but, because the consensus right now is the Jets are going to be getting uh, Wilson, right? Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. So it's almost like right now everyone is saying, all right, it's going to go, go Lawrence, Wilson, and apparently Mac Jones. And yeah, I just I just don't see it personally. And like I said, I, I am not an expert. I have not been following anything at all. Um, I think the very last report I saw was when the 49ers front office went over to the pro day at Alabama. Apparently mm-hmm. both of them didn't ask Saban any questions about Mac or anything like that. Like that was the last report I saw. And I was like, why am I even reading this? Like, this is just so not news. Like I'm trying to convince myself that this, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much garbage out there. You just have to kind of cycle through, but very much like you said, you're absolutely right. Baker Mayfield wasn't the consensus number one overall pick when all that was happening at all. Everyone was like, oh, it's going to be Darnold, maybe even Rosen. Uh, Josh Allen started to skyrocket up and everyone was saying, oh, I always thought he was going to go to Buffalo, but people are like, oh, maybe, you know, that project player that we're looking for. But then, like you said, it was literally like the last four days. People are like, wait, they're ta- they're going to take Baker. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did this report come from? And then it happened to be true. And so very much like you said, I think we're still a little bit too far out. But personally... I don't think it's going to be max. So I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with the question that I put on the second portion of the appetizer is who is your favorite quarterback in this draft minus Lawrence? If it's Lawrence, because I, I kind of feel bad for Lawrence. Actually, let's talk about Lawrence for one quick second, Darren. Have you ever heard of a consensus, yeah, consensus one Oh one at quarterback or best player in the draft at all be this less talked about? There's probably a better way of putting that together, but I think, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe the only time it's ever been like even talked about is when Andrew Luck and RG3 were like being both considered in my lifetime, at least. I know like back in the day, it was like Pete Manning, Ryan Leaf. And like, um, I don't remember that though. That was, I was like five years old or something. So like, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't remember because he's like the sh- most surefire thing since Andrew Locke or Peyton Manning or whatever, but like nobody's talking about him because like it's already predetermined he's going to be the first pick. So no one really cares. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I, I kind of want to feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, but I think you and I obviously remember it's been nonstop the past two, three years where everyone's like, oh my God, Lawrence in the NFL is going to be great. So because it's been a little yeah. bit quieter now that he has declared and about to be in the draft, I'm like, ah, it's fine. I mean, I everyone knows everything they need to know about Trevor Lawrence. So with that being said, are you a big believer in uh, Zach Wilson? Just like, you know, the Jets pretty much have, looks like planted their, you know, flag saying, hey, this is going to be our guy. This is awesome. And I even feel a lot of quote unquote expert analysts trying to have hot takes being like, actually, I would take Wilson over Lawrence. And I'm like, what the fuck is okay. happening right now? It's it's funny because like um, I think like if you asked me this question like five years ago like I don't know twenty two year old Darren I would be like Zach Wilson's my like absolute favorite quarterback in this draft because he's like he plays that, like, the way that like is exciting for us. yeah exactly yeah making all these and, off platform throws but the throws <laughs> yeah. actually look good and not like awkward yeah and he's like he's like the dude he like took two girls to prom and like. <laughs> you know, like he would have been, he would have been my favorite much, quarterback like yeah. five years ago. That's why you love Josh and Rosen because he had a hot tub in his dorm room. Exactly. <laughs> so like five years ago, hundred percent would have been Zach Wilson. Um, not, not now though. Um, I would say definitely my second favorite quarterback behind Lawrence is Justin Fields. Um, I, I know that like he gets a lot of shit for like not reading the defense and all that stuff, but I mean, that's something I think you can learn. Like, it's not like he's dumb. Um, you can't tell me, so, Josh Allen, you had to read a defense. You can't tell me with a straight face that Patrick Mahomes knew how to read the defense in college. Like, yeah, exactly. You, 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 like, you can't, you can't do that ever. Patrick like, Mahomes literally admitted it himself. Like, he said he didn't know how to do it. So he was like, the whole first year I was playing in the NFL, I had no idea what I was doing, basically. Like, yeah, he was like, he Coach Reed passes. told me where to throw it, and that's where I threw it. He told me where my and, – and, and I know this has been a meme, and I know he's gotten a lot better, but it's almost like the Jared Goff thing, right? That's mm-hmm. why a lot of defenses were like, all right, change our formation after the 15-second mark and the play call because McVay isn't in his ear anymore. So, like, all these quarterbacks have – and you can't blame them. College is almost a different sport. So, I feel like if that's the knock against fields, like, if I – if if I was creating a quarterback, right, for college, Justin Fields would look like the quarterback I would try to create. He has everything you want. And yeah. if you had to have a flaw, I would say, all right, maybe not the best at reading a defense yet because who who cares? Who cares if you're good at reading a defense in college? Because, like, I feel like even college defenses don't know what they're doing, honestly. Yeah, and I, and I think this is one of the things that I said, like, when I have one of those arguments with Mike in the chat. But, like, 99% of these guys that he's playing against they're not going to be in the NFL. Like they're going to be like accountants or fucking some other shit. Like they're, they're not going to be doing professional football for a living. They're going to be working normal jobs like you and me. Yeah. And that's why it's for me, I'm on the same boat as you. I I, I want to go against you. And for the sake of the podcast, be like, Oh, here, let's talk about another quarterback. Maybe I really like Zach Wilson. And it's not that I don't like Zach Wilson. It's that to me, Justin Fields has been so clear cut the number two the entire time where other names kind of came out. I'm like, I'm not even going to pay attention to this because I've seen the film. I've seen what I needed to see. 
Um, for some reason, I feel like the further away we get from the end of the college season up into the draft, all these weird narratives start to come up. I'm like, what, what is happening? Like no, nothing changed. Um, of course, pro days happen, but for me, pro day solidified Justin Fields even more. And for me, I did not want to like Justin Fields. I don't know if we talked that much during the college football season, but I remember anytime I would watch Ohio state game, I'd be like, Oh man, fields is good, but you know, he's overrated. And I kept watching. I'm like, no, no, Tommy, don't do this to yourself. Don't try to make up a narrative and try to convince yourself of it. Fields is damn good. And like I said, he has everything I want in a quarterback. And normally you know, when quote unquote conservative people, casual people watch Justin Fields, they just see a black quarterback and they'll say, oh, he's just out being more athletic than his peers, which may be true. But honestly, his accuracy, in my opinion, is one of his greatest strengths. And that's not something a lot of people would kind of say. People would say, oh, he's just like Cam Newton or something. I'm like, no, no. Like he runs when he needs to run, but I would compare his playing style more Russell Wilson-esque than Cam Newton-esque, where Cam Newton would just try to run as soon as his first option isn't there. And I feel like once you kind of accelerate his ability to read a defense, it's just nice to know he has that escape button when he needs it. But anytime I was breaking down his film, it was really, really refreshing to me to see him, once again, maybe go through his reads a little bit slower, but he wouldn't panic so much to the point of being like, all right, my first option is there. I'm going to bolt. And so that was kind of nice to see, even though he has every excuse to do so. Cause I mean, like he's faster than like every single linebacker in the league or in college. Right. So like he could have done it, but he didn't. And so I feel like to me, he's just such a clear cut number two. And I feel like the only other quarterback we haven't really mentioned that I want to bring up specifically with you is Trey Lance. And the main reason for that, and you can't avoid it is he's from North Dakota, right? Uh, same college as yeah. Carson Wentz. And when Eagles traded up to get Carson Wentz, you were pissed. But I know you are always a big Trey Lance fan. So has that perception changed up until now? No, I actually think that, um, I guess it kind of depends on where he goes, like what team he goes to. Um, if he's the pick by San Francisco, I think he could be like the best quarterback in the class. Um, oh, yeah. Because I think he's one of those, like a Josh Allen kind of guy where he has like the highest upside in the class. Um, he also comes with that territory. If he has the highest upside, he also has the lowest downside. So he could easily be the worst quarterback in the class. Um, but I mean, you got to take the risk, I guess. If you're going to go for the Josh Allen upside, you got to take the risk that he's just a complete bust. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's such a, he's such a polarizing player, but it's so hard to kind of put your finger on it. But I think that's why the strength of this upcoming draft class, at least in the quarterback group, is going to be so darn polarizing because, I mean, we just talked about potentially three, four different quarterbacks right now, and we also talked about Mac Jones, which we personally actually didn't obviously break down at this part, but I know in our later episodes, uh, after we get finished with the state of the franchise, we're going to break down all these different prospects a little bit more and with depth, which I'm really looking forward to because, you know, that's something we always do anyway. So I'm really interested in breaking all that down, but I don't want to take up too much more time. Let's head into the main course, Darren. What are we going to be talking about? Um, we're really just going to talk about a couple of the recent trades. Um, there's been a couple since the new guys joined. Um, I know that two, yeah, two of them involved the new guys. So um, they're getting involved active early. Yeah, uh, some new life, some fresh blood has kind of breathed a little bit of energy into our league. And I feel like there's not, it's not, 
I feel like it's definitely not an anomaly or it's not a coincidence. That's the word I was looking for. That once we added three new owners to replace three weaker owners, that trade negotiations have come up and all this other kind of stuff. And I know one of the first trades that at least are on the dock involves one of the new owners. And it's Zach. Zach and Josh made a trade. Um, and it surprised me because I, I wasn't expecting any kind of trade to happen between those two. Not that, you know, it's not like I have a pulse on who's talking to who or anything like that. But when it happened, I was like, oh, wait, what happened? And I looked at my phone. So what trade was that? Uh, Zach traded AJ Dillon to Josh for a 2022 second round pick. Nice. And do you remember when AJ Dillon was like the the prettiest the girl name. at the ball, right? Like yeah. everyone wanted AJ Dillon. And then even yeah. I was like, oh, I guess. Aaron Jones came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as an Aaron Jones owner, I was like, I guess I should move him. Like maybe if he goes to Miami, he'll still be good. And then the Packers just re-signed him. And I was like, what are the Packers doing, dude? You, you, you sign or you go draft Jordan Love with your first round pick. Then you go draft AJ Dillon. And then what happens? Aaron Rodgers wins MVP and you resign. Like, I don't understand what they're doing, but uh, I guess that's a topic for a different discussion. But this trade, I mean, typically you and I like to be pretty poor and be like, oh my God, yeah, talk about a trade rate. But I mean, this is pretty fair. I mean, I feel like um, one owner just really like AJ Dillon. They're like, oh wow, the price tag isn't that much. I still believe in them. So let me cash in kind of thing. But uh, what are your thoughts regarding this trade? Yeah, I mean, it's super even. And Zach is doing exactly what i would do if i was the one to take over joe's team um i I just think that he's probably coming in looking at it and he's looking at your team and max's team and the teams that are at the top like um well now it's brett's team uh kevin kenny i guess brett's a piece of Um, shit (laughs) and he's like looking up at those teams and he's like i mean like i have good players but like I, i can't compete with these teams so um he's doing the same thing that i would do just kind of hard reset uh, sell the assets if he can get stuff for him. Um, honestly, friggin' AJ Dillon, like it sucks for him, but he's going to be a backup running back for the next two years at least. So, um, like, what are you going to do? Would you rather get a second round pick next year and, and hope you get somebody better or hold AJ Dillon until two years from now when maybe you get my, you might get something more than a second round pick? Um, it's not, it's definitely not guaranteed that you're going to get something because for all we know that the Packers could draft another running back in the next two years. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past so them, honestly. It's like, I, I think it's a good move for, for both sides. Um, it's a, it's a fair trade. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's very rare where most of the times when I look at it, I'm like, oh no, that's like a straight push. Like both owners won and that's how all trades should be. But of course, with public perception, people are saying, oh, what are you doing here and there? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so it's really cool to kind of see a new owner come in and just put in a solid trade like that. Like you said, it would have been one of the first things that you would have done, even if you took over Joe's team It's just kind of look over and see what you can get and whatnot. And so, yeah, I guess that brings us to the next trade there. And I think I'm going to be a little bit reserved and I'll talk towards the very end because I would just like to get your reaction specifically because I know we chatted a little bit when it happened, but I purposely didn't want to ask you more questions about it because I wanted to save it for this pod. But what's that next trade we're talking about? Uh, this is between you and Kev. Um, I guess maybe Kenny too. I don't know how involved he w- he was, but it was George Kittle for Zach Ertz, J.K. Dobbins, and two second round picks, one this year and one next year. Yeah. So what what is your breakdown? And be completely unbiased. And I would just love to get your feedback on it because I have my 
comments, obviously, because it involved me, but I would like to hear someone that, you know, I respect and, you know, I feel like everyone looks up to you and your kind of opinion, especially when it comes to trades. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a super, super fair trade. Um, I think J.K. Dobbins is like super hot running back and everything right now. Um, I think his upside is going to be kind of toned down because of Lamar Jackson. Um, he's not going to like he could he could honestly be like a top five running back like easily, I think, in the Ravens offense. But you got to figure in Lamar Jackson is probably going to get at least, I don't know, at least 125 carries every single year. That's going to take away touchdowns, yards, all kinds of stuff from J.K. Dobbins. Um, and Gus Bus. And then it's, and I, yeah, Gus Edwards too. It's like, who knows if maybe Gus Edwards will get the goal line stuff. Like, we, we don't really know that yet. Um, but I like J.K. Dobbins. And I think, like, for you getting George Kittle, um, quite obviously to everyone in the league, you needed an upgrade at the tight end position. Now you potentially have the number one tight end for the next. I don't know, three, four years. Um, I know that Travis Kelsey's, I think he's 32 now. And he's yeah, still he'll be turning 33 the when the one. season begins. Yeah. So you figure he's still the tight end one and Kittle's 27, I think. So he's got at least four years where he's going to be up there and like minimal of like top three. And I think the only people that can really contend with him are like Kyle Pitts and. I guess Darren Waller, but Darren Waller is also almost 30. So um, he doesn't really have a whole lot of competition. And it's crazy because, like, I mean, the tight end positions, it's hard to get a guy like George Kittle. And obviously it's it looks like a lot, but I think it's a fair trade. Yeah, for me personally, I felt like I had to bite the bullet. You obviously knew how big of a J.K. Dobbins fan I was even before he was on my team. And when I saw that he was falling to me uh, in last year's rookie draft, I was pretty much shitting my pants. I was like, oh my gosh, I am so close to getting J.K. Dobbins. And that's the draft where I walked away with Burrow, J.K. Dobbins, and T. Higgins. I was super hype. I didn't have many picks, but I feel like I made the most out of what I had. And I was so looking forward to, and I'm still looking forward to J.K. I think he's going to be amazing. I understand that some of his workload, or he might even be vultured due to having a running back as his quarterback and having Gus Bus with him. But I mean, I'm looking at Mark Ingram's season where he was incredibly efficient. I feel like Mark Ingram had like 18 touchdowns. One, not obviously he didn't have that many, but he had a lot of touchdowns like two years ago. And J.K. Dobbins is a better running back than Mark Ingram almost ever was. And okay, that's maybe knocking Mark Ingram a little too much. He was phenomenal. But I feel like that's just how good J.K. Dobbins is. So even with some of the quote-unquote vulture aspect of the situation that he's in, because of how run-heavy Baltimore is, it doesn't matter. Like, the pie is big enough where if Dobbins, you know, loses a couple of bites here and there because, you know, people are vulturing him, that's fine. The pie is still gigantic. Like, Dobbins will still get his. And so I kept thinking about and thinking about, I'm like, oh man, this is going to suck. But I feel like at the end of the day, that's kind of what pushed it over the time. I'm like, well, I do have Lamar. Like if I didn't have Lamar, I'd be like, I know it shouldn't really matter. But for me, I was like, I, I have way too many pieces of Baltimore's offense. I mean, honestly, like having Lamar and Dobbins, that's Baltimore's entire offense. Yeah, so one off of week, offense. I'm screwed. <laughs> Whereas now if Baltimore is an off week and you know Lamar just gets shut down, like I don't see a world where Lamar Jackson gets shut down and J.K. Dobbins has a phenomenal I mean I'm sure it will happen a lot because I just said it but to me I was like I don't want my entire team to be hinged on that so that's why I wanted to give it away but kind of like what you mentioned 
I only had Zach Ertz and Hunter Henry on my team. And when Hunter Henry went to New England, I was hype. But then, of course, that was followed up with John o. Smith signing there as well. So I was like, well, I'm in trouble right now because like my best tight end now is splitting with not just John o. Smith, but they also went out and signed like eight wide receivers. They got, you know, um, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. And I know these aren't sexy names, but I mean, like Cam doesn't really know how to throw a football anymore. So like now he just has more targets to throw to. And why should I believe that Hunter Henry is going to be the benefactor of getting the most of it? I just don't believe it. So I felt like my tight anger, which was already weak to begin with, got even weaker. So then when I saw an opportunity, I know I even mentioned to you saying, dude, I got to go get a tight end. So, you know, naturally I talked over to Brett to see, hey, what's the price on Kelsey? Because, you know, I want to go big or go home. Then I went over and I actually was talking to Welch for a while to try to get Mark Andrews. And then I had to stop myself. Thankfully, that didn't go through. Uh, we were actually really close to getting a deal but thankfully that didn't go through because like that is like i'm putting my foot in my mouth then then i literally have baltimore's entire offense on my team yeah. so i was like all right let me let me try to go get kittle and uh you know the yows are being very very fair and i was like dang okay so in my head i'm only really giving up dobbins i don't really care about Ertz, and it hurts giving up a second this year because i feel like this year's draft has so many quarterbacks where a lot of skill position players gets pushed back so i felt like i could have gotten someone pretty decent uh, 2.06, just like I got T Higgins last year. I'm not saying I would get a same type of player, but Hey, if I hit, that would be awesome. And then to me, and this is the cocky side of me, I guess, uh, I feel like my second next year will be really late at, at the latest or at the earliest. I see it as like 2.10, I guess. Um, and once again, maybe that's me just being a little arrogant and stuff like that. So I felt like at the most crux of it to me, it was just Kittle for Dobbins and a mid second. And I was like, all right, yeah, I, I got to push that there, especially with, us going tight end premium next year. It was a no brainer. Yeah. I, I think to get, I mean, for tight end premium, you got to pay a premium, right? Like you have to, if you want to get George Kittle, you have to pay a little bit um, because that for like, like we were talking about it before and for the normal average, like, I don't know, TJ Hawkinson or whatever, like it'll make a, a bit of a difference, but for George Kittle, it's going to make George Kittle, who's already elite and, a difference maker for your fantasy team is going to make him that much better. Um, so like if he puts up like a four catch game or whatever, six catch game, that'll be an extra three points for him. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, it could win you. It's probably not going to win you a lot of weeks, but maybe one, maybe one or two, like it might put you over that little, the little bit you need. But I think also another thing that uh, you kind of were kind of alluding to is it's a tight end position. I feel like I don't ever have to worry about it anymore. Whereas in the past, I'd be like, oh, will Zach Ertz get a little bit more targets with this tight end premium now? Or should I just stick with Hunter Henry? Now it's just plug and play Kittle. And for like, what, 80% of the league, I have the positional advantage in tight end and head-to-head matchups moving forward now, right? Unless I'm up against like Kelsey, uh, Kyle Pitts, if he does what we think he can do as a rookie or uh, Darren Waller. Other than that, I'm like, okay, I, I have a clear advantage and maybe sometimes I won't work out, but for the most part, I feel pretty good. And that's when, for me personally, Kittle is my favorite tight end in the league right now by far. So I feel like a lot of that also weighs in. So I'm really, really excited. But once again, I know we're talking about this trade a lot, but I feel like, of course, I mean, I was a part of the trade. So obviously I would want to talk about. So let's turn the table. Let's talk about a trade that you did, Darren. <laughs> You made a trade. Uh, actually, it was like right when Brett joined in. I feel like 10 minutes later, this trade went through. I was like, how did 
How did Darren do that? Like, how is he that fast at trading with someone? But yeah, you traded with Brett, uh, one of our new owners that took over for Kenny's team, and you got Cooper Cup and a third, a very early third at that, for um, it looks like Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown, and is that Bryce Hopkins? Yeah, Bryce, Bryce, I think it's Bryson Hopkins. Yeah, Bryson Hopkins and then a third. So you guys pretty much just swapped thirds, and I think you only moved down one pick. So you pre- yeah. it was pretty much just Cup or Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown, and Bryce Hopkins. And I'll give you my reaction to it first, so then uh, kind of like how we did it for mine, how, uh, you could not defend yourself, but maybe talk me through what you were thinking. But for me, this was a smash on your side. Uh, I, that's why I kind of got upset. I didn't get upset at Brett because I was like, why did you make Darren better? I got more upset because I was negotiating with him before, and I think you heard me say, uh, as we we're talking, he was just like, all right, well, right now I'm kind of busy. So talk to me after Easter and stuff like that. And then we could get going and in my head. I was like, all right. Yeah. Like he's probably dealing with a lot of family stuff. He's doing lesson plans. And so, yeah, it makes sense. And then literally five minutes after that, he makes a trade with you. And I was like, what? It's not the fact that he traded you cup. It was the fact that like, he just blatantly lied to me. And I was like, yo, like what, what is going on right now? And then we talked more and I was like, yeah, if you want Kelsey, man, I'm going to need like Burrow or something. I'm like, what the fuck is this kid smoking? But with that being said, sorry, let's go back to your trade. I loved it for you because one Cooper cup is awesome. And he just got a huge upgrade at quarterback in my opinion. And all you gave up was Sterling Shepard and you know, I know you like Sterling Shepard. I kind of like Sterling Shepard too, but there's a lot of mouths to feed there because they just got Kenny Galladay and, of course, a pro bowler and Evan Ingram. And, you know, when Saquon comes back, he's going to command some targets as well. Danny Dimes, his targets aren't that valuable, but it, I guess, is more valuable when you have that many mouths to feed. So I don't see Sterling Shepard ever being that high of, like, a fantasy asset. Like, he's better for a football team than he is for your fantasy team. And then Hollywood Brown, very similar to what I said about Baltimore. I I, I follow Baltimore very closely because, like, a lot of my team success was kind of hinging on them. And I love Hollywood Brown, but it's, once again, what is Lamar going to he probably throws a ball, well, like 18 to 22 times a game. If Well, of course, he probably throws a little bit more than that. But completion-wise, he definitely doesn't complete nearly as much as that. And so, like, it's a run-first team. Um, you know, Brown will definitely still get his, but Cooper Cup will be heck of a more, you know, consistent and stuff. So I really like this uh, trade in your favor. But it's not like a trade rape in any way. But for me, when I was looking at it at first, I was like, yo, this man just straight-up traded Cooper Cup for Hollywood Brown. Yeah, so from my from my side, um, Cooper Cup last year, which I kind of found surprising, but he only had eight more points than Hollywood Brown last year. Um, I thought he would have been better than that. Um, like I, I thought he would have had I don't know at least at least double digit more points than Hollywood Brown, you know, um, because I think like the first it, it was like half the season at least like the Ravens' offense was just the entire offense was struggling. Um, and then I, I, uh, typically don't like the receivers that are like Marquise Brown. Uh, I like would, a Deshaun Jackson types, right? You'll have a game yeah. where he gives you like 45 points or like but then you'll get a lot more yeah. where he gets like less than three. Yeah. I typically don't like those guys. Like I, I'm kind of like, we talked about it with Welch's, like how Welch has like Adam Thielen and Robert Woods and like those guys that you can. I would rather have a guy that gets me 10 points every week than a guy that's going to get me two and then 25 the next week. Cause I, I can't fucking stand that. So, so um, that's kind of like how I see Marquise Brown, like even 
when the Ravens are going to be good. Like he might, he literally might win you like four weeks out of the year because he's going to have like blow up games and stuff, but then he might cause you to lose like two or three. Um, I just can't, I don't know. It just drives me insane. Like I just hate seeing like low points on my, my team. Um, I don't know. So I thought it was like more of like a safer play to get Cooper cup, even though, and I guess it is like kind of like an upside play too, because like if, uh, Matt Stafford comes in there and Matt Stafford loves Cooper Cup and he likes him more than Robert Woods. Like if he's like his go-to target, then obviously he's going to be like, he's going to have a lot of catches and stuff. Um, but that's kind of to be determined still because mm-hmm. it could very well be Robert Woods. Cause I think Robert Woods, in my opinion, I think he's the better player. Yeah. Um, so I would assume it's going to be Robert Woods is the number one. And then Cooper Cups, maybe like one, a one B something like that. Okay. Um, but I think, I, I think like, like you said, like I like Sterling Shepard and I think his, his two best years, like when they signed Kenny Galladay, I was actually really happy. Like when I still had Sterling Shepard on my team because his best seasons came when he played predominantly in the slot. Um, I mean, he was only like wide receiver 27 and 28 or something like that. Like he still wasn't like a world beater or anything. But like wide receiver, high end wide receiver three is. But isn't that also when fantasy. they had uh, Eli? It was, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying Eli is elite or the greatest quarterback, but come on, fantasy wise, uh, actually no, Danny Dimes does run, so that gives him a lot of fantasy value. But I feel like just on a pure throwing wise, Eli yeah, targets Eli's, are worth much, better. much more yeah. than Danny Dimes <laughs> yeah. targets. And like, yeah. I remember, uh, I, I know I brought it up to you pretty recently. We were joking around and uh, we would always joke or you would always joke saying, man, I can't wait until Odell has someone other than shitty Eli. And then you finally got your wish grant. I feel like the monkey paw curled, got him with Baker. And mm-hmm. for some reason, Baker's just like, yeah, you're obviously the most talented player on this team, but I'm st- I just don't like throwing it. Like they have no chemistry. It's, I don't know if it's possible to have negative chemistry. Like anytime Baker throws to Odell, it's almost like, ugh. Thank God this is game scripted in with these weird screen passes and shovel passes to you because I just don't like throwing it to you, which doesn't like he loves throwing it to Higgins. But when it's Odell, he's just like, nah, I'm like, that's sorry. We're kind of getting off track here. But yeah, I, I agree, though. <laughs> Sterling Shepard is really I feel like if Sterling Shepard was over on the Eagles, he would immediately be the best wide receiver on our team. Yeah, I agree. And he would probably have like 150 targets because there's, I don't think there's anybody on our team, like receiver wise, that's even close to being as good as Sterling Shepard, which is sad. But like, I want to believe in Rager, but I've seen nothing in Rager's rookie season where he was getting consistent separation. And not just that, he just like one of his big things was being like a big play threat. But like anytime he was thrown the ball, like far down the field, the way that he would track it didn't make sense to me. I was like, why would you go at it at that angle? Like the throw was fine, but you made it look like the throw was much worse because of the way he was. Tra- it just didn't make sense to me. But sorry, that's that's another retraction because uh, maybe that's a play that we're going to be talking about soon. But no, I, I really enjoyed this trade for you. And I, I was actually really surprised when it went through because uh as you know, Brett is a close friend with mine. We went to college together. We're really, really good buds. And I know he's a huge Cooper Cup fan. Like, he loves Cooper Cup. And so when I saw this trade go through, I was like, wait, did Brett just give up Cooper Cup? And then I kept looking. I was like, wait, Darren got – does Darren know Cooper Cup's like 27 years old? Like, what is Darren <laughs> doing? Darren only likes people when they're like 24 years old. Like, what is he doing? And I kept looking at it. So that's why I was even more surprised. But all jokes aside, I really do like this uh, – 
you know, trade for both sides. I know normally people are always like, oh, it's Darren. So that means he uh, trade raped you. But hey, I, I, I don't blame it at all. Um, Hollywood is younger. Sterling is still young. Um, you know, there's a pick swap, I guess, in there as well. But for me personally, looking at it, I, I like the Cooper Cup side more. But it's not once again, it's not like, oh, man, Darren, you did it again. You, you, your, uh, your reputation has not preceded you because you just did it again. Yeah, I, I legitimately, like you said, the Cooper Cup's 27. That legit, legitimately almost kept me from doing it because I was like, I knew oh, it. I God. fucking knew it. <laughs> it's like he's fucking 27. I don't really want him. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a smash play on both sides. And like you said, the consistency factor that Cooper Cup brings to your roster, it now makes your roster even scarier. And I feel like that's why I would side with you because I was looking at both teams and I was like, in a head to head matchup, would I be more scared of Darren if he had you know, Shepard, uh, Hollywood, Bryce Hopkins, all that kind of stuff, or just take all them out and now plug Cooper Cup in. And I looked at the roster, I was like, nope, yep, I hate Darren's team a lot more because now he has Cup and now his team is a bit scarier. So that's why I say I weigh a little bit more on your side in that way. And so now let's talk about the final trade that we have in this main course. It it was a big surprise, right, Darren? Because it involved Mr. Mike. I'm proud of Mike because I love this trade for him and things like that. But with that being said, it also has to do with a wide receiver. We were just talking about in Jalen Rager. Uh, What was that trade, Darren? Uh, Jensen traded Jalen Rager to Mike for, or no, Mike traded Jalen Rager to Jensen for pick 2.01. So the first pick of the second round this year. Dang, that's a very, very high pick. But in a way, it's almost like a push, right? Because isn't this right around where Mike got Rager last time? I think he got him at like 110 or 111 or something like that last year. Yeah, so I um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I obviously like Mike's side because, I mean, as we were talking about Rager earlier, I think that Jensen might have, he might have paid that Eagles homer price, you know? Um, he... I, I don't know. For all for all I know, Rager could be like very good, but like I didn't see anything really that was like all that great last year, you know. Um, so I think that it's a fine trade. Like if you put it in the trade calculators and stuff, it's probably about even, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just don't I just don't see it with Rager, you know, like I just don't. Which is actually saying a lot because I know how big of a fan of Rager you were when uh, he was kind of declaring for the draft as a prospect, yeah, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I did like him a lot. Like, I thought he was going to be, like, really good. But when we got him, um, I did I did think it was stupid to take him over Justin Jefferson. But, like, I was like, you know what? It's It'll be okay. Trying like, to see still, the bright like, side. Really good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's still a really good player. Like, it'll the be Stockholm fine. syndrome took over. <laughs> you know what? I liked Rager more the whole time. Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, like... um. I, I really wish we got Justin Jefferson now, but like you can't, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it could work out for Jensen for all I know. But and I mean, like at that pick at 2.01, um, who's it going to be? Like, is it going to be like Rondell Moore? Like it could be just another guy that's just like Jalen Rager that, you know, like who's very true. Who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, for a lot of the things that you mentioned, it's a really cool theme with every single trade that we talked about uh, for the main course so far. It is the four trade we're talking about. I feel like every single one of them, I'm not saying has been a push, but I could see both sides. Like yeah, 201, very great pick, especially for this upcoming draft class. I feel like a lot of the skill position players are going to be pushed down a little bit. So that uh, early second round pick, in my opinion, for this year's draft, I value much higher than a lot of other early 
second round picks of other drafts, if that makes sense, because there's like four or five quarterbacks that could possibly go in the first round. Right. And so because of that, that pushes so many of these skill position players down that Mike has a shot to get someone who we think is a first round pick, but he's just getting it in the very beginning of the second round. But at the same time, Jalen Ray, I am definitely not off the boat with him, dude. Uh, mostly because I want to keep screaming Rager bomb during Eagles games. Cause I think that's just a lot of fun to scream, but the Eagles have been notoriously known to be absolutely horrendous at developing wide receivers. But now it seems like we have a whole new coaching staff, a new regime. And I actually do believe in the head coach that the Eagles got. So I feel like there is a very good chance where Rager can finally maybe find his groove. Because once again, I feel like a lot we're having our perception of what we expect rookies to do is skewed because we're seeing what Justin Jefferson did. We're seeing what uh, all of Odell's class with Mike Evan. And uh, like, we see people come in immediately and just light up the world. Whereas yes, that definitely happens a little bit more now because we're such a pass heavy league, but typically, I mean, it's not out of the norm where you give every single wide receiver three years, just like you do with tight ends. You give tight ends like four or five years as a rookie. So I, I, feel like it's a little disingenuous to be like, oh yeah, Rager struggled a little bit in a year with the pandemic with no training camp with, you know, Carson Wentz having one of his worst years ever in a terrible talent, like talentless team. Like that's not fair. So I feel like it is a push. Uh, I do lean a little bit over to Mike's side only because I feel like this draft class coming up is shaping up to at least look pretty strong. Uh, but other than that, I feel like it's, it's pretty even for me at least. Yeah. It's not, it's not egregious. Like it's, you know, it's not not, not, not a typical Darren tree that we see in the league, huh? Yeah, not one that Mike has a freaking aneurysm about. <laughs> no, but overall, it was really cool because I know we always pick on Mike a lot for never going through with the trade, but seeing him come through with this one, I think, like I said, I favor Mike's side, but it's not like, oh man, Jensen got robbed. No, I, I still think Rager could be pretty darn good, but it's just kind of a wait and see. And that's very similar to that 2.01. Who knows? Maybe he takes a Rondale Moore or, you know, whoever ends up at that pick. You never know. It's not cash and saying, oh, yep, that's a slam dunk. That's a home run. Like Mike is going to crush it and Jensen got nothing. So it's still very, very up in the air and kind of stuff like that. But yeah, did you have any other last words of any other like trades that we were just discussing? No, I think we covered it all. Nice. So, all right, let's head over to the dessert. And for the dessert, it's kind of a little bit of a theme that we already talked about for most of the show is First impressions of all the new guys. I think the very first person we welcomed in was Steve took over for Chuck's team. What is your uh, kind of first impression of Steve so far? I know he's only been in here for a little bit. Uh, I mean, opposite, the opposite of Chuck, you know, <laughs> he seems like he's very active. Um, you know, we had a very hard time getting Chuck to do anything. So um, I think it's a positive. Yeah, I feel like Steve is also very different from all the owners that we have. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I feel like he is kind of very, he knows the pulse of Twitter very well. Like the world of sports analytics of Twitter. I know you're very accustomed to that and Max's as well. But I feel like Steve is also cut from that same cloth where he's very, very smart and understands where all this is kind of coming from. So it's really cool to have that 180 from someone like Chuck over to Steve. So it's almost been like a shock to me being like, oh my gosh, so this is what it's like to have a really smart football mind join us kind of thing. So it's been really cool because not only has he been not 
his reputation. It's not like Max was talking him up being like, oh, he's the greatest ever, but it's really cool to see everything materialize of being like, oh yeah, this is someone that I expected to be really smart and then seeing be like, oh wow, he's coming up with all these different uh, takes and his opinions. And he doesn't just say things to say it. He'll back it up with like certain things that could reinforce what he's trying to say. So uh, I, I feel like he's been an awesome addition so far uh, because like I said, he's one of the more active uh, members in the PDL group chat currently. So, hey, Gold star, if I were to ever give out gold stars. So uh, is there anything else that you want, like any other impressions, anything else about Steve? Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> and you're so boring. You're, you're such a boring guy. You're just, you're supposed to be it's the color commentator. I, I, I give you this <laughs> nice little, uh, you know, little layup for you, or no, no, a nice alley-oop for you to finish the dunk. And you're like, nice, nah, good, good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. So now let's transition over to the second person, I believe, Brett. Brett took over for uh, Kenny's team, and that is a very win-now team, very uh, top-heavy from what it looks like. You know, got the Dalvin Cook, got Josh Jacobs as Travis Kelsey, and, you know, maybe not the best quarterbacks. I think he has Big Ben, Kirk Cousins, and things like that. So with all of that being said, what are your first impressions? of? I, I guess it's not really a first impression because you kind of know Brett a little bit, right? Do I? He was in the Flea Flicker League. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to give our listeners a little bit of a history between us playing fantasy together and maybe knowing Brett. But I guess he didn't get to know Brett too, too much then, apparently. Yeah, because that was like, I I was kind of like, I just took over like a team just to kind of keep it running, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Dip your toes in the Dynasty waters. I hated that website so much. Yeah, Flea Flicker is terrible. terrible. We're never going to be sponsored (laughs) by them. It's cool. It's fine. But Brett and I actually go way back, like I said, um, one of my closer college friends that I made throughout the years. And uh, he has a very good interest in fantasy football, football in general. Like I I was in a Madden league with him and we always talk about football. He's obviously a really, really big Eagles fan. And apparently I'm not as close to him as I thought because he fucking lies to me about saying, oh yeah, Easter can't, can't trade now trades with you. So I, I know I made it very clear in the podcast and this maybe is a dessert topic for another time. I uh, I was actually going to add it to the docket now, but I think it's too good of a topic to just throw in last second. I want to talk about who you declare as your rival and I'll, I'll just definitely go more into it uh, the next time we talk about, but yeah, Brett is straight up my rival now. I, I don't care. I know we have no history on win losses head to head. Maybe I do with Kenny, but not with Brett specifically, but because of that one incident, I am now declaring my rival, but overall, no, he's like the nicest guy. He's a school teacher. Like we said, so sometimes he might not be as active in the chat, but uh, the one thing that is cool is anytime I tag him like five minutes later, I can tell that he's trying to catch up on everything. Cause he's liking some of my comments that I said like 20 minutes ago and he's like catching up slowly and then he'll finally comment something. But other than that, what are, I guess your first impressions of uh, Brett in the league so far in the PDL? Yeah, like you said, I, I think he's, he sees him. Uh, seems like he's like a super nice guy. Um, limited exposure so far, but um, he does seem like he's very nice. Wow. Probably so the, kind of the same Probably exact remarks that you gave Steve, huh? <laughs> nice guy. I, I bet I know what you're going to say about the next guy now too, huh? Um, yeah. Um, of course you fucking douche. But anyway, no, Brett, I'm putting you on notice, dude. Get more active, you little bitch. Let's see if you listen to this podcast, you whore. If you actually made it this far, Brett specifically, um, just let me know who your favorite Eagles player is in the chat, in the PDL chat right now. Like as you're listening, just pull up sleeper, just type in your favorite Eagles player 
and then I'll know you made it this far because I doubt you have because you're a little bitch. But with that being said, let's talk about someone who I'm isn't surprised. a bitch. I'm yeah, Zach, let's talk. That. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, Brett and I, we are, whoo. I don't think I really had, a, uh, I guess my rival was Chuck before because I was always fearing his team. And technically yeah. my rival now should be Max because he has like an absolute juggernaut of a team, but no, no. No, it's Brett. Brett, I I want to I want to play him twice a year so I can beat him twice. That that will be a success for me. So with that being said, let's talk about Zach, man. Zach is the brother-in-law for Max. If you guys don't know that who are listening, and he's been pretty great. Um, but I kind of want to flip the script because I feel like I've been talking too much, Darren. How about you take the lead on Zach? What team did you take over? How has he been so far? He took over the worst of the three teams. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for him, he got Joe's team. Um. Because the other two teams are like, you know, they could win the title, but uh, he got Joe's and he's doing a good job so far. Like, like we talked about earlier, he made a, made a move. Um, I, I don't know him so well and everything, but he does seem like he's, he's smart, knows what he's doing. Uh, again, nice. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, this is why I'm the host guys. I can fill up that air. Darren just says it how it is. So that's why I fill him. But I feel like I haven't had that many interactions with Zach. I feel like I've had a lot more interactions with Brett, obviously being a close friend and Steve, even, I feel like I talked to Steve a bunch in the chat, Zach though. Uh, it's not, I'm not saying I'm concerned or anything. That's the furthest thing of what I'm saying, but I feel like I haven't really seen him as active. Uh, maybe that's just because I haven't really seen him do anything too crazy yet. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe after the owner's meeting, Brett steps it up a little bit. Zach steps it up a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of just interested to see where things go. But I guess I'll have to take your word for it, Dare, right? He's just a nice guy, just like all the other three owners that we talked about, huh? Yeah, I think um, I think Brett might get the mantle, though. Like He's like the top the top tier of the nice. Oh, oh, okay. So Brett is the nicest of all. All right. So before we close things out, let's get a little bit hot takey because I'm trying to get more reactions out of you. Out of the three owners that have joined, I want you to rank them on how you believe how good they are at fantasy football. Not how much fantasy football or not how much NFL knowledge that they have. Because I think we've already established knowing the NFL and just being good at fantasy are exclusive things in my opinion. Like they could be tied together, but some, I feel like the way that you play the game could be different. So with that being said, how would you rank these three based off of just your first impression? Cause it'll be funny to listen back to be like, yo bro, who knew we had a, uh, I'm trying to think of like the, what Ozzy Newsom. He's one of the most respected GMs ever, right? Who was the mm. Ozzy Newsom of these three kind of thing. But if you're to rank first, second, third, how would you lay that out? Um, I get. Ooh, on the spot. See, this I, is I how you know, know this is organic. Like, so you know, it's like because we, we have like limited interaction so far, um, and it's just based on the stuff that I've talked to them about and stuff. I guess I would say Steve first because he's put the most out there. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, that's all. That's all I know because the other two haven't talked like super much. So. Um, and then I'm trying to, I don't know, should I factor in the teams that they started with as a start point? Because that's going to be beneficial to them. I guess that's, I guess that should weigh in, but I feel like I don't want that to factor in only because 
I mean, look at the team that you took over for Gabe. It was not the best, yeah. but you quickly yeah. turned it around. <laughs> but if you were just to ask a lot, like if we took a silent poll right now on who do you think the best owner is, you would probably be top two. And I don't think you have a top two team, but that's just how good you are of like a fantasy owner. That's kind of the context I'm bringing in as right now. If all three of these guys took over the same exact team, how would you kind of grade out how you think? And this is just first impression. Like we're not supposed to have the right answer, but I just want your insight. And just to be fair, I will also weigh in as well, of course. I would say Steve one, Brett two, Zach three. Yeah, that's literally my list. <laughs> I have it the same exact way. And just to kind of give a little bit of feedback why is because like I said, uh, I'm almost doing this purely based off who's been most active because that's the only way I can kind of gauge things. Uh, Steve, yeah. I already know, knows way more fantasy football than I do. So I'm really excited to see how he utilizes this knowledge into the PDL. Brett, I just have a long history of knowing how he constructs a team and stuff, and he's had pretty darn good success to every single team he's owned. Uh, Zach, I feel like me putting him third does not me- mean that I think he's bad. It's just I have no context on how I think he is an owner, and he hasn't shown me anything. Just things I've heard from Max and stuff, but I haven't seen anything from him so far based on uh, his takes on which players he likes, based on what moves I've seen him do, and uh, I don't remember if I even, I'm, I think I did try to start negotiating with him at one point and um, it, it was pretty short lived, which is fine. I mean, not every negotiation has to go somewhere, but just kind of based on my very, very limited interactions. That's why I rank him at the bottom. But that once again, he's up against two strong owners kind of things. So third place of that is much better than me just being like, now nah, he just sucks, which I'm not saying at all. Yeah, it's just first reaction. So very well could change. Um, Zach could be the best, you know, like we don't know because it's only been like, I think for him, it's only been like what a week. Yeah. Very long. Super early first impression. That's why we like to do it just so um, we can kind of see how things go. But that's kind of how I have the lay of the land. And so one last thing, I kind of want to bring it full circle is one of the questions I asked at the top, man. Where, how do you think the uh, direction the PDL is going? Do you think it's been a lot stronger now? Obviously, because uh, three owners that were a little bit weaker in the PDL have now been replaced. I'm really excited for the owners meeting, actually, because that should kind of put the lay of the land so far. So far, no one has contacted me, letting me know that they can't make it. Uh, I feel like today would have been the deadline. Not that there would ever be a deadline, because I'm expecting everyone to be there because I've been sending countless reminders. So... Uh, as of right now, I'm expecting everyone to be there. And if someone were to message me like the day off saying I can't make it, then I'll be pretty grumpy. But for the most part, uh, optimistic of the next season coming up. Yeah, I I didn't think I was going to miss Joe, but I do kind of miss Joe saying his weird things every once in a while. Um, and, and just, you know, I, I wanted to get rid of Chuck forever. So I'm glad he's gone. So <laughs> we're, we're moving in a positive direction. Just, just that alone makes everything for the better. And yeah, yeah I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, definitely miss Joe a lot. And I know that's someone that I'm probably going to be talking to Max about, but like, Hey, how are things going with Joe and things like that? But for the most part, I'm really excited to see how these three guys get adapted. And one last thing I did want to mention is I'm also excited to see how they react to how the PDL is valuation of all different owners of specific players and how negotiations go. Everyone has different personalities. So it's almost like when you're brand new, you're so overwhelmed with, okay, this is a team I have now. Okay. This is how I value this person, but 
every single league is different. So trying to see how these new owners figure out the pulse of this league is going to be pretty interesting. So I'm really excited to see how all of that unfolds for sure. Yeah. Like I going off that, um, like I think in a, in your average league, Joe Burrow is probably worth like three ones. Um, but in our league, he went for two and some pocket change. Um, so with, with that being said, like, it's, it's hard. I, I think for me, like, I, I wouldn't have been able to make all the trades that I did if I wasn't, like, able to, like, sit from the sidelines, you know, and, and watch for, like, a year. Because it's hard to come in and, like, kind of gauge how everything's been going for the past two years when you haven't been there. Um, yeah. So it's, it's difficult just to kind of keep up with it and be like, hey, like, this is, you know, this is what, it's, this is what I'm going to get, you know. That's actually a um, really good point that you bring in because you're almost like perfectly groomed because you, like you said, you were watching the PDL. You you understood everyone's personality. So by the time you came in, you didn't play catch up. You already knew what was going on. So it's really cool to see your sustained success as an owner, but also attributing to that as part of the reason why you're able to pull off so many trades. Yeah, because I, I think like you have a, a grasp on how everything works and like who likes what guy and um, what they're willing to give for stuff and um, what the max you're going to get for a player is and all that kind of stuff. Because like, if you go in and um, like, I, I think, like I said, like, I think Joe Burrow is probably worth three ones, but he didn't go for that. And that kind of sets like, so if Burrow went for two, then in a normal league, Mahomes is probably worth five, but then he's probably worth four now because Burrow just went for two. So, yeah, I'm just excited to see because thing. even in that isolated situation, it does reset the market. But even that, I would question saying, no, that was a single isolated thing. Like, if all of us are saying that maybe the valuation was off, then maybe the valuation is off. So, trying to using that as like the staple or foundation or maybe a reference point might not be strong. So that's why there's so many different factors that go into it, which is why for the three new owners, that's why I'm so interested to be like, hey. I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder what they're learning because it's something that we already know just in the back of our head. Like when I start negotiations with Mike, it will be different than trying to start negotiation with Max or Welch or something mm-hmm. like that. So I feel like that's something that these new owners are definitely going to have to get adjusted and learn. So I'm just, you know, excited. That's that's all I can really say because this owner's meeting is going to be probably the biggest owner's meeting we've ever had because there's going to be a lot of different uh, changes coming up. Uh, first and foremost, of course, being the premium, uh, tight end premium and things like that. But there are other changes that are on the docket that are at least going to be discussed. So I feel like the future of the league is trending in the right direction. And I'm, you know, I'm living for it. This is going to be awesome. I'm excited to try to run it back. You got a good chance. But yeah, before we end everything there, any final parting words? See you. See you Sunday. <laughs> yep. See you. Wait, no, it's Saturday, isn't it? No, it's no, it's Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday. Okay, I lied. I lied. It's Sunday then. See, look, I, I'm... Wait, really? I thought it was Saturday. I swear it was Saturday. No, it's Sunday. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's the 11th. It's the 11th. I think I've been telling Max it was Saturday the whole time. Oh, well, thanks for reminding me. I've been off. But I know I've been saying the 11th, like I said, and I even sent that in the text message last night too. So, all right, guys, it's been awesome. Really excited to get this one out there. And yeah, I'll definitely see all of you on Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed your meal. We'll catch you next time.